0: Thank you so much for having empowered me to do all of the amazing things that I have done through your name. I thank you for the opportunity to have given uh, so much time and uh, so much money to the church each week. Um, I thank you for my wonderful family, for my beautiful children, the, the honor students that they are, thank you, you have great things in store for them. Lord, as you have had for me. Um, I thank you that they are not into the sex and the drugs and the rock and roll and all of that. Thank you so much for making us the parents that we have uh, been. Uh, Lord, thank you for setting us apart. I don't know. To be better than the rest. I just. I. Oh, I don't know how to talk I to you. I don't know what to you for say that. Um, thank you for revealing yourself through me each week in our.
1: I've really screwed our weekly up. weekly
0: prayer meetings, uh, in my daily quiet time. And I can't the, do it, uh, God. I'm a mess. Countless books that I have read. Um, I thank you for prospering me, Lord. Forgive me. Amen.
1: Wow, I love that. Uh, I love that. Too much of that side of the screen, too little of this side of the screen. And uh, just kind of convicting really makes you think. And um, as Paul mentioned, we're going to be doing uh, five weeks. We're going to be talking about prayer, and I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, because as i've thought about my life as i've as just been preparing for this series actually for a number of weeks now myself and thinking about my prayer life i just realized you know there is so much more that i could be doing in my time in prayer with god so many ways in which i uh, can grow actually so many questions i have and Uh, preparing for this series has been super helpful for me because i've been asking questions uh, that i think you guys will be asking as well and uh, god has just been teaching me some new things so i'm excited uh, to share those with you and as i was looking at this uh, video earlier this week i was reminded of uh, a couple of years ago when ann and i were in college and uh, we were teaching a, a sunday school class yes you can laugh at that one it's okay. It's, if you're new to Renaissance, it's okay to laugh in church. And uh, it often happens when I'm speaking up here, not because I intend to be funny, but because um, it just happens. Um, but so Ann and I were teaching this Sunday school class many years ago when we, were, uh, when we were in college, and it was a bunch of junior high kids. And if you have ever taught junior high kids, or if you have ever had junior high kids, you know that it is always a, um, we'll call it an interesting opportunity and a stretching kind of an opportunity. And uh, at this particular church, it wasn't Renaissance, but at this particular church, they gave us a curriculum that we were to use with the junior high kids. And so Ann and I would get together during the week, we'd prepare, you know, spend a couple of hours working through the lesson, praying, kind of customizing it as well for the kids. We came into this one Sunday school class, and we were like, we are set. This is going to be a really great lesson. And so we started off, you know, with the usual chit-chat, because you've got to let the kids talk to one another. Otherwise, they're just going to talk throughout the whole lesson. and They're not going to pay any attention. So we're letting them talk, and they're having a lot of fun and that sort of thing. We kind of gather everybody together. And I did what I often do, and I said, who'd like to open our class in prayer? And all of a sudden, these kids who had been yak, 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 yak the whole time suddenly became extremely quiet and very interested in their shoes, you know, looking and checking out are my shoes, you know, that kind of thing. Dead silence. Nobody wanted to open in prayer. And so Ann and I kind of looked at each other and said, forget the lesson. We're talking about prayer this morning. So we started off and we just said, hey, how come you guys aren't comfortable praying? you know, to open the class in prayer. And fortunately, it was junior high kids, and they are not shy about telling you uh, what they think. So they started off, and one of them said, you know, remember in the service last week when so-and-so prayed? Well, you know, she used all these these and thous, and it was, you know, I I just kind of feel like I can't pray with all that fancy language that this woman prayed with last week in the service. And then somebody else says, yeah, and sometimes when people pray like that, it seems kind of fake. It seems kind of hypocritical because it's almost like they're talking to us. They're trying to impress us or they're trying to impress God, you know. And uh, to me, that's not right. We shouldn't be praying that way. And another one said, I don't know about all that. I just don't know how to pray out loud in a way that I'm not going to feel like an idiot because, like, what happens if I don't use the right words? You know, is, is God going to be mad at me if I don't use the right words, especially if I'm praying in front of other people. And so we had this great discussion. We started asking, what are some of the other questions and issues and things that you have about prayer? And so they would say, well, like, is it okay to pray for small things? You know, is it okay to pray for the really little things? Like if this were today, uh, those of you who live in Summit, Magic Fountain burned yesterday. Is it okay to pray that it'll reopen soon so that we can have ice cream, you know, in the town of Summit? Is that okay to pray for those trivial things. Yeah, we can pray for the missionaries off wherever they are, or we can pray for the people who are starving wherever they are. That's fine, everybody knows that's okay to pray for those things, but is it okay to pray for Magic Fountain? Is it okay to pray for my test that I've got coming up next week if I'm a student? Is it okay to pray for the big meeting that I've got tomorrow morning at work that I'm really nervous about, or the presentation that I have to make? Because those things kind of seem somewhat selfish, you know. And those junior high kids have the exact same issues that we have when it comes to prayer. And and a bottom line question that I think all of us ask from time to time is, how can we pray in a way that God is going to listen to our prayers? And I think it's a great question because it's a question that all of us have from time to time. And We at Renaissance feel like prayer is so important that we're gonna take, as Paul was saying, the next five weeks and we're gonna focus on prayer. The messages for the next five weekends are going to be about prayer. Our small groups are going to be uh, reading a couple of different books, one or two different books depending on which group you're in, discussing prayer. As Paul mentioned, we're going to have a seminar where you can ask questions about prayer and we can talk about it together. We're having prayer meetings and on and on, all sorts of different opportunities. We're actually going to send you an email later this week to give you some of the details of that. So. We're looking forward to it because I think this is going to be life-changing for us both as individuals, and I'm anticipating that in my life, but also for us as a church, as a congregation, and so I'm excited about that. And if you want to take a next step, if you want to dig in a little bit deeper, if you're a reader, let me encourage you. There's a book called Too Busy Not to Pray by a pastor in Chicago named Bill Hybels. I've read the book about uh, once or twice already. I'm about halfway through it second time through excellent book uh, bill hybels deals with a lot of very practical questions about prayer he even gives a really good pattern for prayer and uh, about chapter six or so definitely worth your time to read you cannot use the excuse that you're too busy given the title of the book too busy not to pray the chapters are short they take what five six ten minutes to read a chapter read a chapter a day or a chapter every couple of days for the next month and i think you're going to find it to be a, a really helpful book But where I want us to focus for the next five weeks is a prayer that is probably familiar to most of us, especially if you've been around, involved in a church uh, for any length of time. And it's actually the most well-known prayer in the Western world, and that's the Lord's Prayer. It starts off, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And again, if you've been involved in a church for any length of time, you're probably familiar with the prayer. You may have even prayed the prayer. You may have heard messages on the prayer. And, and my hope is that over these next five weeks, we're going to gain some insights into this. It's really a pattern for prayer uh, that Jesus gave to his disciples. And as, as Paul mentioned just a few minutes ago, Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? And Jesus gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer as a pattern, as an answer to their question of how should we pray. So let's just take a look uh, at uh, the, the version of the Lord's Prayer that's recorded in the biography of Jesus that was written by a, a man named Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9, Jesus says, This then is how you should pray Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. One of the things that I love about this prayer and that has been brought home to me again and again over the past couple of weeks as I've been working through it is that So many of the questions that I have about prayer, so many of the questions that the junior high kids that I taught years ago had about prayer, so many of the questions that we have about prayer are answered by the Lord's Prayer. They're covered in there because Jesus knew what the issues were that his disciples had with prayer. And so when he gave them this pattern for prayer, I think he was answering a lot of those questions. And the opening phrase in that prayer, our Father in heaven. That opening phrase lays the foundation not only for the rest of the prayer, but really for the answers to so many of the questions, so many of the issues, so many of the challenges that we have with regard to prayer. And back in Jesus' day, for Jesus to start off a prayer by saying, our Father, that was radical. That was unusual. It was almost scandalous in Jesus' day because the people of Jesus' day did not view God as their father, yet they understood to some extent that he was their father. But to address address God as their father was considered to be too familiar. Our creator, yes. Our Lord, yes. Our king, yes. Our father, I don't know. I'm a little uncomfortable with that because God is... Up there, he's so high, he's so mighty. We're down here. And to, to think that we have this father child relationship with God, it was almost considered blasphemous actually by some of the people in Jesus' day. And even today, if you look at religions other than Christianity, very, very rarely do you see any religion in which the people of that religion feel like they have a father child relationship with the creator of the universe. And so this is just, this is so foundational. It's so amazing about what Jesus is saying here that we can come before the creator of the universe, before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and call him our father. The apostle John who was Jesus' closest friend when Jesus was living on the earth Uh, writes this uh, about our relationship with god he says to all who received him to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of god he gave us the right to become children of god if we believe that jesus died on the cross and rose again for our sins and not just believe that intellectually but actually embrace that actually say yes lord i know that i need you I know that I fall short of of living the way that you want me to live. I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that I need your forgiveness, and I thank you that you have provided that for me, then we're children of God, which again is an incredibly radical idea if you're living in the first century. And really, if you're outside of Christianity today, again, it's, it's kind of this radical idea. The Apostle Paul takes it In some sense, a step further, and we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, the book of Galatians, Paul says, because you're his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you're his child, God has made you also an heir. And what Paul is saying, he says, we can come to God and call him Abba, which is an Aramaic word for daddy. I mean, imagine how... If it's a little bit scandalous to call God Father, imagine we can come to God and say, hey, Dad, Daddy, I have this need. Dad, let me tell you about what was going on in my day today. Hey, Dad, thank you so much for doing this for me. Thank you so much for your love. We can call him not just Father, but we can call him Dad. Paul says, we're not slaves. We're not servants. We're children whom he loves, not because of what we do, not because we have earned his love, but because what because of what Christ has done. He's adopted us into his family, and we're heirs, which means all of his resources, all of his riches, all of his inheritance is ours. And that's the kind of relationship that we have with the creator of the universe, with the king of kings, with the Lord of Lords, with ultimately our Heavenly Father. And so this idea that God is our Father and we can come before Him and pray and say, Dad, that is the foundation of prayer for us as followers of Jesus. I mean, imagine for for just a minute what it's like to have a perfect Father, now some of us grew up with really good fathers, and so it's somewhat easy for us to imagine that. Others of us had pretty lousy fathers in difficult situations growing up, and it's a lot harder for us to imagine what our loving heavenly father would be like if we didn't grow up with a good earthly father. But the fact is I think we all have this understanding of what a father should be like whether or not our fathers were that way. So imagine for just a minute what it would be like to have a father who is always kind, who's always generous, who's always self-sacrificial. His greatest desire is to bless and love and pour out good things for his children. Imagine what it's like to have a father who is always faithful, always keeps his promises. A father who's wise, who we can go to when we don't know what to do and say, Dad, I don't know what to do here. Can you give me some advice? Can you tell me the way to go in this situation? A God who is powerful, a God who can do anything, a father who can do anything, who can do whatever it is that we need. A father who's caring, a father who's gracious, a father who's forgiving, who when we come to him again and again and again and say, I messed up yet again. We don't have to worry for a second because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that our heavenly Father will forgive us because he loves us. A father who's compassionate, who doesn't say when we're when we're crying, who doesn't say suck it up and just get on with life, you know, but who says, "Hey, I love you." Wraps his arms around us, gives us that hug and in whose arms we feel secure because that's the kind of father we have. And ultimately, a father who loves us more than we could ever imagine, more than anyone else has ever loved us in our our entire lives, in whose love we are completely secure, that's the kind of heavenly father that we have. And his greatest act of love was sending Jesus to be our savior so that we could be his children. John puts it this way. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that's what we are. John is so overwhelmed with the love of God. He says, I can't believe that God loves me so much that he wants me to be his child. And he's just overwhelmed with that kind of love. Our heavenly father sacrificed that which was most precious to him so that we could become his children. That's the kind of father that we have. And right before Jesus gave the Lord's prayer to his followers, right before he showed them this pattern for prayer, He actually talked with them about a couple of different problems that we have when we're praying, a couple of different issues, different difficulties that are involved in prayer, and both of those are are answered. Both of those are dealt with by this truth, by this fact, by this awesome reality that God is our Father and we're his children. Take a look at, at Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 5. Jesus says, when you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Jesus is saying the same thing that those junior high kids said. If you're standing up and praying so that people are going to see you and say, wow, he's praying a really great prayer. Wow, she must be really close to God because she really knows how to pray. If you're doing that, if we're doing that in order to be seen by other people to try to impress them or even to try to impress God, we're being hypocritical. And Jesus says, no, that's not the way that we should pray. Instead, he says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, Don't let anybody else around. And pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Your father loves you. You don't need to try to impress him. You don't need to try to impress anybody else because your father loves you and he's eager to hear you pray. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying in public, and I do it up front here almost every week, and we pray often in public uh, here, here at Renaissance, Jesus prayed in public, but what he never did was pray in public with the goal of impressing people. He did pray in public, cognizant of the fact that people were listening, and in fact, there's a, a scene recorded uh, in John's Gospel, in John's biography of Jesus, where Jesus actually says he was praying in a way that was recognizing that there were people around him listening. So he took into account that other people were listening, and he thought about what he was praying and took them into account, but he didn't do it in order to try to impress them. So totally fine to pray in public. Just recognize that you're praying to God, not to everybody else, and not trying to impress other people. You, know, you think about it this way. When you talk to your earthly father, you talk to your earthly mother, you know, and other people around, do you ever do it in a way to try to impress them? I mean, imagine you know, a, a situation where a child goes to the father and says, Father, would thou please uh, deign to permit me to borrow thine vehicle that I might uh, travel to the haberdashery so that I could procure some uh, vestments uh, for my uh, body? You know, No, you'd never say something like that in order to try to impress your father or try to impress your friends. You'd say, hey, Dad, can I borrow the car so I can go to the store and get some new clothes? You know, same thing as we pray to God. We don't have to pray in some sort of a fancy way so that either people will hear us or God will be impressed with us. Just, Dad, and then you talk to him as if you were talking to your earthly parents. Now, we do need to show him the respect that he deserves as our heavenly Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God is our Father in heaven, and as such, he deserves our respect. He deserves at least as much respect as we would show to earthly fathers, to good earthly fathers. In fact, he obviously deserves even more respect than that. And when Jesus says, pray, hallowed be your name, he's saying, holy is your name. You are holy, God. You're set apart. You are above us. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the creator of the universe. And we recognize that and we respect that and we revere that. So we've got that awe of God, but we've also got that familiarity. And we merge the two and we can then say, Father, Dad, in a way that shows him the respect that he deserves, but also recognizes that he loves us and that he considers us to be his children. God is not our cosmic buddy. He's our heavenly father. Jesus is not my heavenly boyfriend, right? He is my brother, he is my savior, he is my Lord. He's not my my boyfriend. Years ago, I was praying uh, with some students when I was a chaplain, and one of them just i don't know where this came from he just broke out in, in in dude language he's like dude you are so awesome it is so cool dude that we can come before you dude and he repeated like dude like 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 20,000 times in this prayer and i'm sitting there and i'm listening to him and i'm thinking i really appreciate the familiarity that that he has with god but dude i don't know maybe that's taking it one step too far god is our dad I don't think he's our dude. So we need, to, we need to show him the respect that he deserves as our heavenly father. Okay. So then Jesus goes on and he talks about another common problem in verses seven and eight. He says, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. We don't have to keep repeating ourselves when we pray. We don't have to say the same things over and over again as if we say it three times is good, 10 times is better, and a 100 times is what it really takes in order for God to hear what we're saying. No, Jesus is saying, make your request known to God. Come before him and pray. But he already knows what you need and he wants to give that to you. He cares about you. So tell him your needs. Pour out your heart to him, but don't think that you're going to be heard because you use a lot of words or because you use the exact right words. And and that really leads to to another uh, difficulty that we can fall into. And it actually relates to the Lord's Prayer. And I want to be careful here not to step on anybody's toes, but sometimes, and this has happened to me, so this is is why I feel like I, I can share it with you guys, sometimes we can take a prayer like the Lord's Prayer and make it into a ritual, you know, make it almost into some sort of a, a mantra or an incantation that, you know, if I pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, I'm actually saying it in the King James because that's how I learned it, you know, back in that, that old English. And we say it in that way almost mindlessly or not almost mindlessly, but actually mindlessly, that in some sense becomes that kind of babbling that Jesus is saying, don't do that completely fine to pray the Lord's Prayer. In fact, this morning, as I was praying this morning, I read through the Lord's Prayer, and I slowed down, and I stopped, and I prayed it through phrase by phrase, exactly the way that Jesus gave it in the Bible, but I was trying to pray it from my heart, not just mindlessly and so it's okay to pray the lord's prayer just don't do it mindlessly and what's interesting is jesus says in verse 9 this then is how you should pray this is how you should pray i think he intended it primarily to be a pattern for prayer he says how you should pray not so much what you should pray and if you work your way through the lord's prayers we're going to do over the next five weeks you can see that pattern where he starts off and we say, address God as our heavenly father. You can call him father. You can call him dad. If pop is the way that you referred to your earthly father, totally fine to refer to God in that way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thinking about what does that mean? We're going to talk about that next week. Give us this day, our daily bread. Can we only pray for bread or can we pray for meat? You know, Totally reasonable. And there's all sorts of things that we're going to talk about as we go through that. The Lord's Prayer is not a magical way to get God to do the things that we want Him to do. It's a pattern that He's given us that we can approach God, our loving Heavenly Father, and pray to Him knowing that He hears us. And we often treat prayer, I know that I've done this in my life, we often treat prayer kind of like it's, it's a business negotiation. You know, I want God to do something for me, so I offer to do something for him. Lord, if you'll do this for me, then I'll do that for you. Or, Lord, I've done this for you. Have you been taking account of the things that I've been doing over the last two or three weeks? Let's, let's, let's go through them just to make sure that you remember them, Lord. So, therefore... Would you please, and it's, the please is just politeness, it's a demand, would you please do this for me? And we enter into this kind of a, a, a business negotiation with him. Or we try to use the right words. You know, I said that prayer that's in the Bible. I've got the Lord's Prayer memorized. Therefore, thou shalt do this for me, God. Because, and who ends up becoming God, me, you know, and he becomes my servant and my slave? No, it's not a business negotiation, with God, it's a family conversation. If you've got a healthy relationship with your parents, you don't go to them and bargain with them. You don't go to them to to try to manipulate them. We shouldn't do the same thing with God. Instead, we come to him and say, Father, here's what's on my heart. This, you know, I'm hurting. Would you comfort me? I'm anxious. Would you give me peace? I'm feeling a need. Could you meet that need? You can also go to him and say, you know what? I'm just really excited about the things that you've been doing. Thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us this morning. The beautiful sky, lack of clouds. It's warming up. Thank you that it's springtime, Father. That's fine. That's good. That's the kind of prayer that we ought to pray. When you arrived this morning, as as Paul mentioned, you received a card. One side, it's got the beginning uh, of the Lord's Prayer on it, that, that first verse there. And the second side, it's got a sentence. It says, pray confidently, knowing that your heavenly Father eagerly listens to you. Pray confidently, knowing that your heavenly Father eagerly listens to you. When you take that card out this week, whether it's on the dashboard of your car like it's with Paul or your pocket, your wallet, wherever it is, keep that card with you. Take it out, look at the front. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Flip it over and use that as a reminder that when you come to God this week, come to him as your heavenly father, as your dad, as his child, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that because he is your heavenly father, he wants to listen to you. He's eager for you to pray. He's eager for you to tell him what's on your mind. Don't worry about using the right words. Don't worry about whether you've done enough good things in order to get him to listen to you. He wants to hear what you have to say. And so pour out your heart to him and tell him what's going on in your life and make your request known to him knowing that beyond a shadow of a doubt, your Heavenly Father loves you and wants to answer your prayers. Usually at this time in the service, I like to to kind of close us in prayer and and pray uh, publicly uh, on our behalf to our Heavenly Father. What I want to do this morning is a little bit different. I want us to pray silently, each of you in your own heart, to your Heavenly Father tell him what's what's on your mind. If you're thankful for the beautiful day, thank him for that. If you're discouraged, tell him that and ask him to encourage you. If you're worried about something that's going to be coming up this week, tell him that and ask him to give you peace. And you know, If you need wisdom, ask him for wisdom. If you're here this morning and you're like, I don't really know about this whole prayer thing. I'm not even sure that I believe in God. I'm not sure about all that. Okay, fine. Just take the time to stop and reflect and, and, and think about if there really is a God out there. If there really is a God who loves me as a father loves his child, what difference would that make in my life? So just spend that time reflecting in that way. But if you're a follower of Jesus and you're confident that you have a father in heaven who loves you, take the next minute or so. Let's pray silently. And then the band is going to lead us in a song of worship and of thanks and of gratefulness to God. Let's pray.